Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elrod. All right, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, this is your host, Hal Elrod. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, it still astounds me that people listen to my podcast. I don't know why I go to events and people go, yeah, I listen to your podcast. And, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting. I go, wow, really? Because I don't, I don't see anybody here, right? I'm looking out my window at my backyard. I, I don't, there's nobody here. But uh, I'm grateful for you and, and I'm grateful that you're listening, whether you're in your car or on a run or sitting at home, uh, wherever you are right now. Thank you for your valuable time. And I want to make sure to add a lot of value for you so that the time that you're investing listening to the podcast is very much worth it. Um, I'm excited for today because uh, as always, we've got a great guest and the guest today is uh, the author of one of my favorite books. And uh, I'll just start by saying, you know, I think it's generally agreed upon that entrepreneurship is really the engine that drives an economy upwards and really is primarily responsible for its growth. And of course, that's true for our economy as much as anyone's economy. And entrepreneurs create jobs, bring better and more affordable products and services to the marketplace, resulting in greater societal health, overall wealth, and vastly improved standard of living. However, one needs not start their own business in order to be an entrepreneur. See, one can be an entrepreneur or entrepreneurial within a company setting or an organization. So it's often called an intrapreneur and can lead really from anywhere they happen to be positioned. And our guest today is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. And that's why I resonated so much with the book that uh, we're going to touch on today because I'm all about how can you add more value? I believe what Zig Ziglar said, which is the, the way to get everything you want in life is to help enough other people get what they want. And our guest today is Bob Berg, co-author of one of my favorite books, as I mentioned, the international bestseller, The Go-Giver. And Bob's also a much sought after speaker at business and leadership conferences. Uh, and he's committed to inspiring the entrepreneurial spirit in all of us. A side note, he's also an unapologetic animal fanatic. Uh, in fact, he was just wrestling with his cat right before we started the interview. But uh, he serves on the board of trustees of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his town of Juniper, or Jupiter, Florida. Sorry about that. And uh, today we're going to talk about why you don't need to be an entrepreneur to be entrepreneurial. We're going to talk about the five laws that will bring you both personal effectiveness and professional success. Bob's going to share the one golden nugget of advice from a drive-by mentor, totally shifted his perspective and played a big role in his success. He's going to talk about why asking if something will make money isn't a bad question. It's just a bad first question. And he'll tell you the one thing to absolutely avoid doing when seeking out a mentor. And last but not least, Bob will address why being a go-giver is absolutely congruent with and even honors human nature. So I am excited for this interview today. Hope you are too. And uh, Mr. Bob Berg, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Hal, it's great to be with you. 
I'm excited. So let's let's dive right in. You know, you talk about the entrepreneurial spirit, but what about those of our listeners who aren't entrepreneurs? Does this message in the go giver still apply to those people? Well, sure, because the the message at the heart of the go giver, the basic premise is simply that shifting one's focus, and this is really the key, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, Hal, uh, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that not only is that a, a nice way to live life and do business, it's a very financially profitable way as well. So regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur and the value you're providing is directly to uh, the end user, if you're within an organization, you still, you're still you still an entrepreneur because you still have clientele. It's just that the client might be your supervisor, might be the employer, might be the people you're working with, and eventually the, the end user. But your job is to still provide such fantastic, immense value to your customers that you make yourself irreplaceable. And that's also how you do move up the ladder, whether it's there or whether you're then recognized somewhere else. Well, and I love that we're gonna end the interview today with how being a go-giver honors human nature because what you're sharing right now, right, there, there's an aspect of human nature is what's in it for me, right? It's just, it's just the way that we're wired. And even being an entrepreneur, most people become an entrepreneur not because they wanna serve, but because they go, I want to get. I wanna get freedom, I wanna get money, right? So, so most people enter into the entrepreneurial world from a, a selfish perspective, and I don't say that as a bad thing. We're just looking out for ourselves, but um, I'm excited to hear about, you know, as we go through today, how to shift that focus from, from getting, how mm -hmm. much can I get, what can I get, how can I get the most, to how much can I give, what can I give, and how can I give the most. So what is the premise of the book itself, The Go-Giver? So when we talk about why it's important to shift that focus, right, to be what we would call, let's put it this way, we move from an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking for ways to create value for others. Now, why is that, especially in light of what you just said? Uh, uh, you know, why is this actually something that is not just soft and feel goody and oh yeah, just be nice and do good things. No, that's not what we're saying at all. It's actually much, much more practical than that. Hal, one of the first things I say when I speak at a sales conference is, and, and I say it in a, a nice way of course, but, <laughs> but people get what I mean and that is, nobody is going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're uh. not gonna buy from you because you need the money and they're not going to buy from you because you're a nice person who really believes that they should have your product. They're going to buy from you because they believe it is of more value in their life to do so than to not do so. And the only way that's going to happen is when you are, are absolutely, unabridgedly laser-focused on them. I love it. Absolutely love it. And, and, and I could, couldn't agree more. I'd love to hear the five laws. Give it just, just a quick review of the five laws that you and John share in the book. Sure. The laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Law number one, which says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment, doesn't mean you don't make a profit, even though it sounds like that at the surface, right? Give more in value than I take in payment. Isn't that a, a recipe for bankruptcy? <laughs> <laughs> no, we simply have to understand um, the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It, it 
simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to the other person that they will willingly exchange their money for this and be ecstatic that they did while you make a healthy profit? And it's the same whether you're selling cut-go knives or you or you're, you have coaching services or you're selling computers or accounting services. The key is that there are two types of value. There's the intrinsic value of the product or service, which is why a person believes they're exchanging their money for it, but it's also how you make them feel during the transaction. What kind of customer experience are you providing them? How do you separate yourselves? And in today's world where it's where technology has leveled off the playing field and commoditized so much, and you know as well as I do, Hal, if a prospective customer sees no significant difference in the product or service, it's going to be a matter of who has the lowest price. And unless your last name is Walmart, <laughs> that is not a good way to do business. Works for them, doesn't work for most of us. So we've got to be able to, to not sell on low price where you're a commodity and instead sell on high value where you're looked at as a resource. And we do this really through a combination of what we call the five elements of value, which are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you do that effectively at every touch point from the beginning of the, the relationship through the selling process and afterwards, that's where you separate yourself from the rest and you take price totally out of the game. I, I love it. I think that it's, it, it's so true that it's when value exceeds price that the price becomes irrelevant, right? right. And, we, and, and we find a way. Yeah, exactly. And you're still making a very healthy profit. Go-givers tend to make a very healthy profit because they don't sell on price. They're focused on, on communicating their value in such a way that the customer sees it of value. Because remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's up to them. And so we need to. That's why when you think about selling, what is it? You know, selling gets such a bad rap because there's so many, well, bad salespeople, I guess. But, you know, so often people think of selling as being something you do to someone when in reality it's something you do with and for someone. And, you know, the very opposite of selling being uh, trying to convince someone to buy something they don't want or need, which isn't selling, that's called theft. Uh, selling can simply be defined as discovering what the other person does need, want, and desire and helping them to get it. And when you do that successfully, both parties profit. In fact, the, the main characteristic of a free market-based exchange, which simply means no one is forced to do business with the other, they're doing it voluntarily, uh, both parties profit, the buyer profits and the seller profits. I love it. All right, what's the next law? Okay, and, I, and I'll do a Reader's Digest version of these because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know I went long on that one. Uh, <laughs> law, the, the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives we touch with this exceptional value, the more money with which we'll be rewarded. Uh, so where law number one's about value, Law number two is about how many lives you impact with that value. 
Law number three is the law of influence. And this simply says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first, which again, like law number one, sounds rather counterproductive. But when you think about it, all the great leaders, top influencers, highest producing salespeople, um, and the great uh, employees at another person's company, this is how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to bring value to others. Uh, but let me let me just qualify this very quickly because I, I think this is important and it can it can easily get misconstrued. When we say place the other person's interests first, Hal, we certainly don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr or uh, self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply as uh, several of the mentors in the story told Joe, the protege, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Hmm. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by, you know, as, as, uh, as Sam, one of the mentors, told Joe, making your win about the other person's win. And to me, the, you know, the byproduct of that is fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm having a bad day, if I'm just, we all have days where, you know, we're just, we're feeling down or we're stressed or we're overwhelmed or whatever. Like what grounds me is I, I just remove myself and I go, wait a minute, I'm helping other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I take a deep breath and I'm like, that's all that matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That, that's well, what matters the most. And that's important. That's one reason why you're a winner. And that's one reason why, you know, uh, one of the things I loved in The Miracle Morning, which is one of my favorite books, and I, I could go through tons of, of notes and highlights. But one of the things I love, in fact, I tweeted about this, I think. I just loved it so much. You said the average person lets their emotions dictate their actions, mm. while achievers let their commitments dictate their actions. Now, if you're committed to bringing value to others, regardless of how you feel, you're going to take the correct action. I love it. I love it mostly because you just quoted me, but you know, um, <laughs> no. All right. So law of influence, what's, what's the uh, fourth law? Well, the next one's the law of authenticity. And this simply uh, says, love it. yeah, the most, the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in the story, Deborah Davenport shared the story of, of, uh, uh or shared a, a major lesson. She learned that all the skills in the world, the uh, sales skills, technical skills, even people skills, which we know are important. They're also all for, and, and they are, by the way, all very important, but they're also all for not how, if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel comfortable with you. People feel good about you. People know you, like you, trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. It, it's good business as well as good life to show up authentically, which makes you ask, you know, why do some people then show up as a, uh, I think the, the correct Latin term is phonus balonus. <laughs> uh, you know, not, not really as themselves. And we might think, well, because they're just not good people or they're dishonest. No, I don't think it's that usually. I think what it really is, is that people, a lot of people just don't have the self-confidence. They don't recognize the value they provide, which is one reason it's so important to really make sure this is something that you self-explore because you've got to know your, as uh, Mike Litman uh, used to say, your assets of value. 
what you bring to the table so that you can lead with your your strengths. Now, we need to know our weaknesses too, don't get me wrong. And some weaknesses we can ignore, some weaknesses we need to mitigate, some weaknesses we need to turn into a strength by all means. But it's our strengths that we lead with and this is what allows us to come at it authentically. I love it, I love it. And what's the, what's the fifth and final law well, this one is the law of receptivity. Uh, now, if the law of value is the foundational law, the law of receptivity is the one that brings it all together because this one says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Uh, you know, it's like trying to breathe out, right, without breathing in. It doesn't work. You've got to do both. And unlike the many negative, negative messages of lack we receive from the world around us, uh, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're simply two sides of the very same coin. They work in tandem. The question isn't, are you a giver or a receiver? It's, you're a giver and a receiver. But it always goes back to what we discussed first, the focus. You focus on the giving of value to others. Focus on the giving and then allow the receiving. Let's, I love, and these five, I mean, it's such a recipe for living, like to me to be a great husband or a great father or mother or, you know what I mean? Like th these five laws are so universal. Um, it's not just business, you know, it's just being right. a good human being and, and go, you know, just coincidentally, if you're a good human being in business, <laughs> it, it, right, that, that works out well for you. Exactly. Um, but let's go back to value for a second. How does sure. a person add value to others without costing too much money, right? What are some ways that, that whether it's creative ways or maybe it's obvious ways, but that we're not looking at what are some of the ways that we can add value without having to spend a bunch of money to do it? Sure. Well, you know, look at the way that you, and we'll, we'll go back to just how you make people feel in every, tr in, in every touch point. And this is so key, Hal, you know, it's, it's when you answer the phone, it's, it's everyone at your office answering the phone by saying, you know, uh, good morning and, and doing it in such a way that, that people feel welcomed or when, you know, like the, I, I love the Ritz Carlton hotel. This is a perfect example, right? When you, when you walk into the Ritz Carlton hotel, any of the guest contact employees, they'll never say hi, hey, or how you doing? They would, they might say, Hey, yo, Hal. But, uh, but other than that, they, they, they won't, they'll say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. When that you ask them to do something and you, then you thank them, they won't say, Hey, no problem. Or you're well, even you're welcome. They'll say my pleasure. Mm. What a difference this makes. Now, here's the thing. People might say, well, well, that's the Ritz-Carlton. They can do that. They have a training. But you know what? Any, any hotel, motel, uh, conglomerate or, or independently could do the same thing. Uh, you know, the, the, the Hyatt, the Marriott, the Westin, all fine properties. And they could do it. And some of them do, but not all of them. Uh, Super 8 Hotel could do it. Motel 6, where uh, Tom Bodette leaves the lights on for us, could do it as well. And so could Dave and Mary and their small staff of, of five at Dave and Mary's Stop and Stay In. Now, someone might say, well, wait a second. I, you know, Dave and Mary and their small team, they could say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, and my pleasure till the cows come home. They're not going to take market share away from Ritz-Carlton. No, they absolutely <laughs> sure. won't. Of course they won't. But they will own their targeted demographic. And they will probably take some market share from Motel 6 and maybe even Super 8. Uh, 
And you can do that as a business, not you, but I mean, you already do, but I mean, anybody listening, we can all do the same thing. It's, it's how we greet people. It's, do we answer the phone within three rings? When we have to put someone on the, on hold, do we ask permission first and make sure they're on hold no more than, you know, 20 seconds? Do we say my pleasure and make sure everyone they talk to says my pleasure? Uh, you know, it's all these little things. It's the attention that we pay, uh, uh, it, it, it's asking questions and listening for what they say as well as what they don't say. Uh, it is so in that way we can be empathetic. We can, we might not understand exactly how they feel, but we can, we can understand that they're feeling something that's distressful and we can communicate that we're there to help them through it. So there's so it's, it's writing a handwritten personalized note as opposed to an email. And what a difference that makes. That adds, that adds money to your bottom line when you do that. So there's all sorts of things we can do to add value over and above the intrinsic value of our product or service. You know, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, even if just the way, if you think about this, like human beings are emotional creatures, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So really value is how you make somebody feel. I mean, that, at the end of the day, right? That, I mean, that's, that's the essence of it. So if you make somebody feel good and every time they interact with you or your company, which really talks, uh, I think, speaks to what you were just saying a few minutes ago, right? How the way, the way that certain companies, the Ritz Carlton, et cetera, the way that they treat their customers, mm-hmm. where they make them feel great, right? And yeah. it's simple, easy, you know, cost nothing or next to nothing uh and and we can all do that right we can all add value in that way exactly well you quoted uh, marshall goldsmith who is just such a fantastic fantastic guy and and great coach he said the number one skill of influencers is what it's the sincere effort to make a person feel that he or she is the most important person in the room or in the world excuse me now i you know i have a saying that i i think sort of dovetails that and that is the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. And they can tell. And when we do that, wow, now you're nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. Yeah, I love it. One line, you know, that that was in the book that I think raised quite a few eyebrows. Uh, it's where you and John wrote, does it make money, right? That question, does it make mm-hmm. money? And and you said it's not a bad question. It, it's a great question. great question. It's just a bad first question. Right. So uh, expand on that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, because, you know, someone who's young and starting a business and getting the funding, it, it's a, no, Bob, the business, will it make money? Well, again, it's a great question. Hmm. It's just not a good first question because you're sort of starting uh, with your looking in the, in the, the, the rear view mirror. First ask if it serves. In other words, is there a market for it or can one be developed for it? Because, hey, you know, you know how you can have the greatest product, service, idea, but if there's no market for it, it ain't making money. So if you start out with just will it make money, it, it's it's not the it, it's not the most productive way to start out. You also want to make sure it serves in the way uh, does it create value for others? Because, you know, if you ask, will it make money, but not will it create value? Again, you're on two totally different planes. In Seth Godin's great book, um, The Purple Cow, he talked about uh, a great invention by Frederick von Veter back in 1912. Uh, it was a machine that actually sliced bread. 
<laughs> okay, so you you could buy your bread. It was already it was it was pre-sliced. I mean, what an amazing invent. In fact, today one one very common saying is what it's the greatest thing since sliced, <laughs> sliced bread. bread sure. So it must have just taken off, right? Absolutely not. It sat there for twenty years until a company by the name of Wonder bought it and decided to use it in the packaging of their their bread. Now I'm not saying Von Veter. Uh, was was just asking, will it make money? I'm just, that has nothing to do, I don't know. I'm just saying that unless a product is something that is perceived to be of value or you have the ability to communicate its value, it's the question you've got to ask before you ask, will it make money? I like it. And I think that that's right. It's, it's people that make money, they add value to other people and in the way of often solving problems, right? And if you have Absolutely, absolutely. And and you look at most of the great fortunes out there and mm -hmm. it was it was the result of someone finding a need in the marketplace, often a need they first felt themselves. Yeah. And then, you know, look at Sarah Blakely with uh, uh, Spanx. You know, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, ask first if it will serve. Then if it will serve, okay, now will it make money? Because, hey, if it will serve and it won't make money, you can still do it, but then it will be a hobby. But, and that's a whole different thing. Hobbies are great, but that's not, you know, that's a different topic. Sure, uh, sure. But sure, will it serve and then will it make money? Let's shift the discussion a little bit here. Let, let's talk about mentorship. Um, first, what's the best way to find a mentor? And perhaps most importantly, what should an up-and-comer not do when, <laughs> when trying to find one? Oh, what a great question because it is so great to have a mentor because they can really cut your learning curve time and give you that guidance. Uh, what not to do? Well, what I would not do is is ask someone who I'd want to be my mentor, I, I, I wouldn't ask, hey, will you be my mentor? And the reason why is because, you know, assuming this person doesn't already know you, but you've, you know, you, this is someone you admire, someone you've sought out, someone you have connected with online or, or what, what have you, or it could be in real life, whatever. And you just say, will you be my mentor? Basically, what you're asking is, uh, hey, will you share 30 or 40 years of your hard-earned wisdom with me, even though you don't, me for, no, don't know me from a hole in the wall? And it's, you're much less likely to get a positive response. Not that it will never happen, but it, the odds are, are less likely. Instead, what you can do, you can certainly seek someone out whose work you admire and connect with them, again, whether it's phone, whether it's email, whether it's uh, online, however you do it, and just let the person know that you are starting out in business or that you're you know, uh, progressing in business or wh whatever your situation is. Uh, you admire their work, and you're wondering if you could uh, ask them one or two very specific questions. And I understand you're extremely busy, so if the timing is not right or if it's something you'd rather not do, that is totally understandable. So you're giving them the out or the back door. You're respecting them. You're respecting the process. Now, most people, most successful people are pretty nice and want to be helpful. So they probably will, uh, you know, have you ask a couple of questions. Now, if not, well, that's okay. You, you don't know what that person's going through or, or why not, but you move on to someone else. But, but by and large, they're going to they're gonna come through for you. When they do, at the end of the conversation or what have you, you let them know how much you appreciate it, that you look forward to utilizing their advice right away, and you'll keep in touch and let them know, uh, you know how things are, are coming along. What I would do right after that is that very day, 
I would write a handwritten, not a text, not an email, a handwritten personalized note, uh, put it in a number 10 envelope, hand stamp it, uh, and, and send it, thanking them for their time, for their counsel, that again, you uh, look forward to utilizing it and you'll keep in touch and, and so forth and so on. I would also suggest that you, uh, and by the way, a uh, key point, what you want to make sure you don't do is you, you don't want to ask them something that you could easily know the answer to had you done your research and looked them, looked that up. So, so make sure that these are questions which are real good uh, questions. But you also, when you research them, you can find out their favorite charity or cause and, and you, know, you, can, you can make a small, just small donation uh, in their name. And they'll be notified of this. And you're not you're not doing it to kiss up to them or anything. You're doing it so that they will know that, you know, what you're communicating is, hey, I realize I can't add the kind of value to you you're adding to me right now. But I want to let you know that I, you know, want to do my best in order to do so. Uh, and then again, you know, you follow up with them, let them know how things are going. Uh, if you know, by the way, that they uh, they have an interest in, you know, uh, Roman history, buy a, a book on Roman history and, and send it to them. I mean, do, you know, those kind of things that you can. But when you ask the next question, great, you know, and then they'll probably answer again and they'll want to know how you're doing. And, and it, you kind of, what I'm saying is this, a, a mentor protege relationship is just that it's a relationship. And it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. But in time, as you progress with this, uh, that kind of relationship might end up being cultivated. Sure, sure. And it, and it goes back to adding value. Find ways right, to add value. And, mm-hmm. and I've done this with like John Vroman is one of my closest friends now. And he actually connected us. Um, but I, I, you know, John is someone I identified as having the values and character traits that I really admired and wanted to align myself with. And this was probably 10 years ago. And I agree uh, with you. He's a great guy. Great guy, right? Uh, listen to everybody. If you're a podcast fan, go find uh, John Vroman's uh, Front Row Factor podcast for sure. Subscribe to that. But uh, John... You know, he founded a charity called the Front Row Foundation, and mm-hmm. so I, you know, believe in their work. And I started finding, you know, I thought, well, this is really important to John, maybe the most important thing in his world, other than his family. And I'm going to find ways to add value and support the charity. And so I've done that, and you know, and and that's, uh, I'm sure that's been a factor of of why John and I have become such good friends. Is I supported what was important to him. Uh, exactly. I mean, that, that's just perfect, Hal. You 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 discovered what was of value to him. Uh, again, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's what you did. And that's what we always need to remember whenever we're dealing with anyone, whether we're an entrepreneur dealing with customers, an entrepreneur dealing with our internal customers, we always need to remember that value is, is what the other person deems it to be. Got it. Now, I want to uh, get to the point here that we kind of touched on in the beginning, and that is that, you know, you say the go-giver philosophy is congruent with human nature. And, and my first thought is, well, but it's not. We're looking out for ourselves. How is it congruent with human nature? So uh, I think that could be looked at, you know, different ways. And uh, I'd love for you to explain how it is that the go-giver philosopher is, is congruent with human nature. Sure. One of my favorite books of all time, and I'll just bet because I bet our library has a lot of the same books, and I bet this is one of yours, is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yes. And what he said in that book of the many things, what, what I believe was the underlying premise of his book was where he said, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, 
not our reasons. Okay? That is, to me, a perfect statement of human nature. One of my my heroes, the late Harry Brown, uh, used to say there are three basic principles in life when it comes to human nature. One is everyone seeks happiness. Now, this is if you define happiness as a mental sense of well-being. Everyone defines happiness. Everything they do will be because they believe it will they believe it will bring them closer to happiness. Now, this is based on, number two, how they see happiness, how they relate to happiness. Because remember, what, what one person finds of value would be absolutely meaningless to someone else or might even cause them misery. So we all, right, we're all different. We all have our different. And then three, they, they, will, they will seek happiness based on how they value happiness and within the uh, confines of what they feel are their choices. Okay. So it comes down to that. And what Carnegie said is absolutely congruent with that. People will do things for their reasons. They're always going to do what they believe has the best chance of bringing them happiness. Well, as a go giver, when you focus on them, not on you, when you focus on the other person and what's most likely to bring them happiness, they are going to be much more responsive to you. They're going to know you. They're going to like you. They're going to trust you. They're going to be much more inclined to do business with you. You know, your philosophy has arguably been the most important and and life-changing philosophy that that I've ever, you know, learned and and adopted. Um, Bob and uh, and I will say that thank there you. were actually no you're no oh, thank you but but there and there were I want to mention there is another book it was your book and then a book uh, by Tim Sanders called Love is the Killer App ah oh, I love that book Tim's yeah such the, a the, great guy yeah I loved him but those two books together really just supported each other and were kind of intertwined and and really giving this holistic view of uh, adding value and so for anybody listening I think that the you know the takeaway here is this is a shift in in the way that you approach everything right mm-hmm. so so the, the the shift from what's in it for me what can I get out of it to how can I add more value for other people how can I give more versus get more and, and the five laws that you talk about in the go-giver for anybody that hasn't read that book highly highly recommend what what's the best place to get that uh, Bob Amazon or the bookstore or what, what do you recommend Probably if they go to thegogiver.com without the uh, hyphen, thegogiver.com, they can scroll down and they'll see the, uh, the go-giver and they can click on it and get a, uh, an excerpt or a, a free chapter and see if they like where it's headed. And then if they do, they can always click through and that will take them to Amazon or some of the other online sellers. Yeah, and it's 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 an audio, but I, I actually have the CD in my car. Oh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's a great audiobook as well. Thank but you. Uh, yeah, and, and the, the, so it's thegogiver.com. dot com, yes. and that website you can get a free chapter of the book. You can also that that's where people can find you, right? Access your podcast, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, Bob, anything else that you're working on, or anything to you know to kind of wrap up the episode with and share? Well, you know, we have things, we have a Go-Giver Sales Academy that, that is really, uh, really catching fire right now. And that's very, uh, it's, it's just 12 people. So it's very, very specific. It's over two days. It's a mastermindy kind of thing as well. So that's okay. been a lot of fun and the, uh, and the podcast and so forth. So, you know, we just, just try to have fun with the business and, and add value and, and do the best we can. 
Yeah, and, and and just if anybody's read your book, they know. Hey, Bob's the kind of guy that I would like to you know do business with because I know right everything he writes about is right. <laughs> he's going to be looking to add value for for me as his uh, you know customer, client, partner, etc. So, oh, thank you. Um, well, you added a ton of value today, my friend. Thank you so much for being on uh, the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I, I really, really, really was an honor to inter- interview today. Well, the honor's mine. I just I love the work you're doing, and I love the value you provide to so many of us, Hal. Cool. Thank you, Bob. Well, uh, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, I always forget to say this, but if you're a fan of the Achieve Your Goals podcast, every review does make a big difference on iTunes. So if you could take just literally 60 seconds, head on over to iTunes uh, and uh, leave a review for the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, and if you don't leave a review, I still appreciate you. So no worries. But uh, thank you so much for your time and tuning in. And I hope you got a lot of value as much as I did from Mr. Bob Berg. Go to thegogiver.com. Check out the free chapter of the book. Go actually buy the book and uh, check out the uh, Sales Academy Bob was talking about on the website. And if there's anything that I can do to, to help you, let me know. And I look forward to talking to you again next week on the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Take care, everybody. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So we want to know what was your big takeaway from this interview with Bob. Simply head on over to hellelra.com slash 129 for episode number 129 and leave a comment there on the show notes page letting us know what your big takeaways were. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to hellelra.com slash iTunes, clicking the little subscribe button, and then if you would, please leave a rating and review because rating and reviews truly are the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because they help more people find out about the podcast and decide if this is the one for them. All right, until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.